Hello, everyone. Welcome into a very special episode of the MLS Bench Podcast. I am Joey, and today the USMNT roundtables make the return to MLS Bench. We did a few, I think it was three or four, um, uh, you know, kind of recapping the games in the the last qualifying window uh, in World Cup qualifying, and now that the USMNT is back at it for... um, some you know World Cup prep friendlies uh, against Morocco and Uruguay over the last uh, seven days. Uh, we decided to bring it back, and um, so here, here I am, uh, Matt. You know, uh, one of our normal co-hosts is with me, and we'll see if anybody else kind of hops in, and we can just kind of play off each other, and just you know, not not too topical, just kind of uh, you know, go look over the broad image of what was you know a fairly successful last week uh, for the USMNT. And they'll continue in the next eight days, um, next seven or eight days, as they play Granada in Austin on the 10th of June and Curacao, or I'm sorry, El Salvador in El Salvador um, on the 14th of June. So that's all good stuff. Um, and so, Matt, uh, delighted to have you back. I'm just, I guess we should just start by getting, you know, your general thoughts. What do you think of the USMNT? over the last week, you know, positives, negatives, and, um, you know, I I think, first of all, it's just nice to see that the USMNT against World Cup competition, because we only got that versus uh, two teams in the octagonal. Absolutely. And two legitimate opponents. Uh, Uruguay, obviously, especially, because they are so, so solid. But Morocco is a really, really good team. They did well through AFCON, um, and then... I believe they I think that they won uh the African qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess I'll just hit on that real quick. The African qualifying is kind of weird cuz they have like groups of 4 mm. and then you play in a two-legged matchup versus one of the teams in the other like the winners of the other group. It's kind of a weird way of doing it, but Morocco handled I think it was uh Burkina Faso, I might be wrong about that. Uh, en route to you know qualifying for the World Cup, yeah. and obviously you look at the the quality through their team in in Hakimi in uh, uh, the goalkeeper who had an incredible season whose name I apologize I'm forgetting at the moment. Um, really, really, really good teams and a a really good performance against Morocco and a decent enough performance to grind out a result against Uruguay. And I think both of those things are, or both those results are really, really exciting for me. Um, and to get to a, a little bit more of the questionable side, the, the questions that we had about the roster going into these, we still have, we're still a little bit iffy on who's going to fill in that slot next to Walker Zimmerman. We're still a little bit iffy on who's going to finish the chances up top. We're, Still a little bit iffy on who is going to be the number three goalkeeper. Um, so it, it was it was nice to be able to get a little bit of a look at the players who have those opportunities in these kinds of situations. What do you think, Joey? Yeah, I think for me, it's a lot of the same stuff, right? Um, oh, I just looked it up, by the way. Uh, Morocco beat uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo over two legs. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I think... Morocco, in particular, you know, that being the first game was interesting because Uruguay's the first game, then that's a little different because, you know, 
for Uruguay, you're you're prepping against a team that, quite frankly, just is better. You know, they have better players playing at clubs that are, you know, higher in the European pecking order. You have Federico Valverde, uh, who just started a Champions League final, what, a week and a half ago? That's not, you know, easy to play against by any measure. And you also have players like Edison Cavani, um, Vecino in the midfield, obviously Godin and Jimenez in the back. And those pose a a much bigger test, I think, than a lot, like at least individually-wise, than um, a lot of the players that Morocco would give. But for Morocco, they're a very solid team with a solid structure, and they have game-breakers, right? They have Atraf Hakimi, who is, you know, he's one of the best right-backs in the world. You have Bono uh, in net, who was unbelievable for Sevilla this season, like you were uh, mentioning, Matt. You have players in a lot of these key positions that can make a difference, and They've played well um, up to this point. So I think having that as the first test to kind of lead into Uruguay, which was, you know, going to be the, you know, that's the marquee matchup between um, at least, you know, entering this window and the World Cup. So I was super interested to see how that would play out. And I think if we're just going to start in the Morocco game and just kind of go in somewhat, you know, chronological order, the U.S. in this game and, you know, kind of carrying it forward to the second game, but this game in particular... Um, in terms of pros and what really impressed me, sometimes in qualifying it would seem like we would possess the ball and kind of not really have an idea about how to go forward, what to do with that possession, the attacking third. And versus Morocco, it seemed like all the possession was gearing towards shots, being goal dangerous, either looking for the through ball, looking for an open look around the 18. You know, maybe just it's... um, like short-term memory, but I can't remember a U.S. performance recently having as many just kind of those, like, we're just going to pop a shot around the 18, you know, kind of pop a shot in that kind of area and see what happens, you know, work the possession, but essentially get it to a point man where they can either look to lay off or just have a crack. And for me, that was super refreshing because, you know, they don't always go in, but as we saw for Tim Weah, sometimes those shots just go in. And yeah, you you force the get that goalkeeper to make the save, and if right. they don't, look look at what happens. Like uh, it's great, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so for me, seeing that and you know, kind of, it it was refreshing in a way because it's like, okay, we know this team can possess. We saw that in World Cup qualifying. the The possession was basically never bad. It was just what you did with that possession. And so to see in this game, uh, the U.S. really start to you know when they had possession, you know, look like they had a purpose look like they knew what they were doing and, you know, generate, you know, high quality chances off of it. You know, all three chances were, you know, they came from different, you know, means, I guess. But at the end of the day, they were all high quality looks or, you know, looks that you wanted the specific players to have. You know, Brendan Aronson's going to have a tap and he's going to score that most of the time. Tim Way is not always going to score that shot and that shot probably should have been saved. But at least, you know, you're, you're having one of your quality players getting an open shot from, I don't know, 22 yards out. That's a recipe for success. And so Absolutely. if we continue to replicate that kind of possession and those kind of looks in the attacking third, that was something that I really, you know, it, it makes me excited moving forward. Yeah, there there was a lot in this game to like. Um, the, the one thing that I really want to highlight is that this is probably the first instance that it really, really showed that we were able to pass out of the back really, really control the ball really really well like you're talking about and that started from the goalkeeper i i think about the the 
string of passes heading up towards Haji Wright's opportunity um, where he ended up putting it on net but was saved. Um, I think it was 20 or so passes leading to that and just great, really, really a, a little ticky-tocka stuff between, um, I think at that point, yeah, it was still Anthony Robinson um, between Matt Turner, between Walker's or. Was it Walker Zimmerman or was that Aaron Long? That was Aaron Long by that point. Um, a lot that we have not really seen, and especially not against this level of opponent. Um, so to to see that developing skill is great. Yeah, and I think not only to see that kind of you know means of possession start to develop, but I think also just to have that validation that, you know, when a team's not necessarily sitting in a low block, but a team's willing to, you know, mid-press or, you know, at times, you know, show variety in how they would try and defend us, that we could break that down with some regularity and then produce, you know, the the kind of, you know, quick looks, the kind of verticality that Burhalter's been stressing here for a while. Um, it leaves me, you know, extremely hopeful, extremely positive. Um, and I think, you know, if, if we're focusing on Burhalter. I think this is this week at least has been one of the more crowning achievements of his, you know, coaching so far with the team because we actually have patterns of play now and they they look like they're going to be repeatable and that the team is willing to implement them with some regularity. Like, you know, if we look at the trophies that he's won, for the most part those were trophies that were basically born of, you know, sitting at, you know, sitting waiting for those chances and then hitting on the counter and you know doing what we could. You know, that was the way it was um particularly in the Nations League where you know we had to absorb so much in the Gold Cup final. We we had we gave a little bit, but we also took a lot of pressure from Mexico and you know those weren't the kind of games that you know Berhalter was looking to develop uh for the long term. This was more like it, particularly the Morocco game. And so to see that kind of come to fruition, again, left me with a lot of hope and it leaves me still hopeful um, to what we're going to do uh, in you know November. Yeah. Do we want to kind of dive into some of those, those uh, patterns of play that we were seeing to kind of dig into what really happened in this match? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you can All start right. with that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so to start off the match, uh, we were playing in that pretty traditional 4-3-3 with Adams at the base of the triangle. And um, we were really putting quite a bit of pressure on Morocco, trying to turn them over in opportunities. And I think a lot of that was coming from the fact that we had Brendan Aronson in this match in the midfield. And that was one of the big talking points coming into this. That guy, I, I believe it was, uh, oh, they mentioned it in the Uruguay match, but I think Yedlin said that he is just... Uh, uh, the most annoying that in in to to play against and his ability to disrupt is massive for this team. What do you think of his performance against Morocco? I mean, extremely positive, right? Like this is the guy who you know was kind of on the outside looking in in terms of starting, you know, as a you know really qualifying, you know, kind of wore on because. We look at a guy like Gio Reyna, he was clearly, you know, at least when he's healthy, he's at the top of the pecking order, obviously Pulisic, and Weya really developed himself into a starter, and so that kind of left Aronson as the odd one out. So for him to come in, not in what we would consider his normal position with the national team, and yet thrive, I thought he was really good, um, you know, positive. I know I heard the quote that you were talking about as well, I think uh, Stu and John mentioned that a, a few times. 
And I think it's true, right? Like he's he's called the Medford Messi. Met like the but he does not Messi. play like Messi. <laughs> no, the actual Lionel Messi. You you know that he's gonna beat you off the dribble because he's just that good. He has the speed. He's he's got the technicality. And you know that when you get one on one with Lionel Messi, you're not gonna come out of that on top. When it comes to the Medford Messi, Brendan Aronson, you think that you have a shot because like he doesn't have like he's not the most you know technically you know dribbler. He's not you know the strongest player. And yet he just finds a way to make stuff happen wherever he is on the pitch, um, whether that be defensively and just the little pressing things that he does and defensively the way he can, you know, throw an opponent off and attacking wise, the way he just finds his spots. You know, a lot of his goals and stuff don't come from him making, you know, darting runs or, you know, like super long sprints. It's just kind of him finding the right areas on the pitch and finishing it off. So I can, you know, I know what Yellen's saying when he says like he's like a gnat or whatever. Um, and, you know, the kind of, you know, you love to play with him, you don't love to play, you know, when you're on the opposite team against him. But I think he showed in these last really two games, but particularly the Morocco game, why, you know, he's so valuable to this team, whether he's starting or not, just because he can produce those moments. And it's always a benefit to have a player like him who you can depend on to produce, uh, you know, those attacking, those little passes, and just kind of find himself in the right areas every single time. Yeah, his ability to force the turnover or get in a position that allows a teammate to force the turnover, get rid of the ball, and then get goal dangerous, that is the reason that he's going towards the Premier League. That's the reason that he has that investment coming towards him. Um, So I I loved the look of Brendan Aronson in the midfield in that Morocco match. I don't think it's going to work against every team because you're right. You know, we need to have somebody who's going to be able to keep the ball a little bit longer, but I love that look. And especially gives us an opportunity to get Aronson way, uh, Pulisic all on the field. Um, really, really exciting there. Uh, outside of that, the other thing we saw just a little bit more, um, through the gameplay wise was uh, you're right. Seeing the passing out of the back, seeing the ability to hold the ball and really get through uh, a, a higher or kind of that, that mid press was really, really nice to see. Um, the one thing that I did kind of want to touch on, and this I think is something that Greg is really going to have to figure out is when we are playing against the ball, trying to figure out how to s- limit the number of those big switches that were turning us off all night. Um, There were so many opportunities that uh, Morocco created going from right back to left back in that match specifically. And it's just because with having those wingers being so attacking and the way that we position our fullbacks, it creates a ton of space on that weak side. Um, And that's something that we saw again in the Uruguay match too. And that's something Greg really needs to figure out. I think it's weird because in the Morocco match, you know, a lot of people had speculated this, and it kind of came to fruition a few times. I wasn't looking for it like intensely; I was just kind of watching game flow for the most part. But you know, it was apparent that you know at times when, particularly when Jedi would get up on the left, um, it really did kind of become like a back three, and Cannon would kind of just drop in as like an additional center back. He wouldn't like provide a lot of width on the right, um, at least from you know the right back position. So, I think. Sometimes when Morocco was looking to start up, it kind of, it was almost unbalanced because 
you're not necessarily expecting Kimmy Way to track back at all times and kind of cover whenever Cannon kind of drops in more centrally. But also, like, you know, you don't you don't necessarily expect Cannon, if he's, you know, trying to provide some cover centrally, to then fly back out to the right. So I, it's kind of a give and a take. I, I agree with you. Um, and I think what Morocco was, what they were doing smart, um, and what Uruguay kind of did too, is when they would get numbers in and around the box, they would flood the box. And it. there were a few times that, you know, in both games, that I was like, oh no, this looks bad because, you know, when you kind of have players popping up and, you know, sort of free inside the box, that doesn't happen that often, and that's when the real danger comes. Because if you have open players, you know, inside 18 yards, um, you know, that's that's some of the most dangerous, you know, parts of the field to occupy. Um, and, and that happened, you know, more more often when uh, the U.S. would get broken down uh, in transition and when the midfield would kind of be left in the dust. And now suddenly you got a, a back line, basically just four defenders kind of on an island, if you will against, you know, three, four attackers, it, it became dangerous at times. And, you know, credit to the center backs and credit to the back line and, you know, the goalkeepers as well for, you know, producing some big moments, making some big tackles and kind of last-ditch defending, which, you know, the U.S. is generally pretty good at. But I would love to not have, you know, it basically be a, a an even man situation where you have four attackers and four defenders inside the 18. Like, I would rather not that not happen, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I I just I want to see what Greg does to go ahead and set his team up to be a little bit more counter resistant because that's that's what we were seeing. We would turn over the ball in the final third. It would get out to a, a fullback, and then just because exactly what you're talking about, there is space created because of the way that we position our players, and it works. It's just a spot that we need to be prepared for that because you know Trent Alexander Arnold switching over to. Oh gosh, whoever the left back for England is, John, maybe yeah, it's gonna time. be scary. Um, <clears throat> so, I that's just something that we need to kind of be aware of, and I'll be I'll definitely be watching the way that the midfield tries to support the the I guess weak side um, fullback because in moving towards Uruguay, we were seeing that is actually. They're attacking in behind in the space that the attacking fullback had vacated. And uh, that's why we were seeing Scally get or having to chase so many times. So something to be aware of and something to watch. Um, were there any other big uh, uh, points that you want to touch on as far as how we played? Or do we want to start getting into how some of the players did? Um, I think that's basically it. I think you were right about necessarily like, being, you know, counterattack resistant or kind of being able to, you know, with withhold the, the quick transition play of other teams, because generally that's what the U.S. likes to do is, you know, hit and transition, get out, you know, let our pacey players, Musa, Wea in particular, kind of run at defenses, Pulisic as well. And I, I can understand that. I, I'm i willing, at least for the time being, you know, when, when it comes to the World Cup, I want to see that address. But, you know, at least in the time being, I'm okay, you know, because we... The issue throughout all of qualifying, really the the entire Burhalter tenure, hasn't been you know the goals that we've conceded. We've we've generally been a good defensive team. It's been the attacking threat that we generate, and so I'm willing to sacrifice a few good looks for an opponent of Morocco or Uruguay's caliber if we're starting to get looks in the attacking third, like actual high quality, you know, reproducible looks. And so 
that's why I think I'm, you know, pretty, you know, positive, you know, coming out of this these last two games is because we've started to produce those looks in a way that we really hadn't even against, you know, you know, non World Cup opponents. So think about Panama, like they yeah. were able to again sit back, turn over, then really transition that ball. Yeah, so, um, and you know, Panama got looks in that game. If you remember, you know, I, I think Karaskia had a open look basically there was that whole scrum where like somehow it didn't go in in the first half so they had moments like panama um and that obviously got that goal at the end that was a set piece but you know when the u.s opens up like naturally just the way that soccer is you're going to get hit on the counter that happens to every team mm-hmm. in the world um you know i'd like to see it not happen in the way that it did for the u.s but you know expecting you know if we're going to be more open and we're going to allow ourselves to take advantage of when the opponent's kind of higher up and we're when we're able to break their press it's going to happen in reverse especially if we're playing as high pressing and as you know kind of energizer bunny as greg likes us to do it sometimes but i mean yeah i'm with you on that uh i think we can kind of dive into like you said um player performances right now and i'll start with matt turner because i mean once again showing why he is going to arsenal why he is the best shot stopper one of the best shot stoppers in mls and i mean just overall a super impressive keeper, just unbelievably impressive. Yeah, really, really good night for him. Uh, obviously had a couple of really, really nice saves showing that shot-stopping ability. Um, and then, uh, you know, as we talked about, he showed the ability to go ahead and play with his feet, to be a part of creating those uh, the, that movement. Um, so I think really, really good night. I think that right now, for me at least, Matt Turner is the prohibitive favorite for the number one goalkeeper um i'm a little bit worried about playing time but aren't we all so exciting stuff good night for him yeah great night for him um he just so depend like just so dependable he he doesn't mess up in net i i can't really remember the last time i, wa- I watched a game with turner and, and been like oh he should have saved that goal there's some goals that i'm like oh you know he, he could have saved it but he doesn't make mistakes and more often than not, he, he legitimately prevents goals, and that's borne out in the advanced metrics as well. So when you put those two things together, the eye test and the metrics, Matt Turner is kind of the perfect keeper when it comes to shot stopping, at least, you know, what the you know general rules about, you know, how to measure keepers tell us. And, you know, when he improves with his feet, I, I don't think he's as bad with his feet as some people like to make him out to be. I agree. And but you can even tell that he's made strides. And he's clearly trying because I think he feels that pressure from some people. I don't know why or who or how, but he definitely is feeling the pressure to, you know, improve with his feet or, you know, look to be more creative. And I think it's kind of bearing itself out. You know, more recently with the U.S., he's hit some passes that are just super impressive. And I would love to see, you know, even more of. I think that's really um, that's that's hopeful as well um if he's going to be the one moving forward now you know stefan was called in and he backed out because of family issue and we hope that you know that's all right um there wasn't really any context provided you know besides that but would stefan still be the starter my guess would be yes um i understand the playing time thing i think for turner i think it's those shot stopping things and we saw it kind of immediately come back even after the what three month injury um, I think in his first game back for New England, he made a couple nice saves and you know pitched a shutout. So 
I think he's shown that, you know, give him layoffs, he can still be a really good keeper. So I'm less concerned about that. And obviously, if he doesn't feel like he's getting the necessary playing time at Arsenal, that could on be addressed. Yeah. But I'm yeah. I'm not not the best situation in the world, but I, I think he's he's clearly aware that he needs to play. And I think he's he's a smart guy and he's going to put himself in a situation that he can. Absolutely. And I don't know if uh, you had the opportunity to read it, but really, really cool piece in uh, the art or in the athletic uh, about uh, Matt Turner. That was from Sam Stashkal. Um And some of the struggles that he's going through basically as he was making these huge uh, life choices. And yeah, it was crazy. Just seems like one of the best people. So uh, yeah, really, really excited. Really, really happy to have him on this team because he's quality in every aspect. Yeah, he's so much fun, and I did read the piece, and I would encourage everybody to check that out because he, he's such a good human being as well. He's clearly, you know, super authentic, super chill, um, and definitely got to look up to, you know, off the field as well as on it. Um, I, other notable, we kind of touched on Aronson, and Aronson was a big winner coming out of the night. Uh, I think Pulisic as well. Um, he he showed his danger. He showed why, you know, when he runs at defense is how dangerous he can be particularly that ball over the top from Zimmerman and him bringing it down, just, you know, gorgeous, uh, gorgeous touch. And then, you know, smart layoff to Aronson. Pulisic was really good versus Morocco. This was the best performance that I've seen Pulisic have in quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, his understanding to know when to go ahead and get rid of the ball, I think is, you know, he's, he's not just going for the hero run. He's not trying to take on two defenders every single time. He was finding the spaces, he was getting it to people's feet, and he was generating chances. And, you know, we, we think about that that uh, opportunity for Haji Wright. He was a big part of creating that uh, by dropping a little bit deeper and joining into the, uh, the buildup. Really, really good night for him. Uh, one of the best times that I've seen him in the U.S. shirt. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since he's he's possessed that... That that north to south mentality, which I mean, he he often reverts back to the cut inside, try and do stuff, try, dribble a few players, and often he's able to pull it off because he is a very technical and a very gifted player. Um, but I love seeing him just run at defenses. He's fast. He's shifty. Uh, we saw it, you know, on the goal where he brings it down, essentially just gets positioning against the center back. Um, you know, turn a really smart turn when it looks like he might shoot. You know, just cuts it back and easy layoff for a goal. And also on the penalty when he, you know, instead of trying to come inside too early, he he drives at the end line, forces uh, Hakimi to commit. Only after you know he drives, 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 then he cuts back. Now he's in a very dangerous position because instead of you know cutting inside on the edge of the box when he's you now surrounded by three or four guys dribbling into pressure. He's now drawing the pressure and then cutting out of the pressure. And so to me, that was an improvement um, on what I've seen recently from Pulisic and drew the penalty that led to the, the third goal. Do you kind of see what I'm saying with that? Yeah. Uh, just his decision-making on the night was far and away the best that I think that we've seen in a while. Yeah. And more of that. More of that from, you know, the star guy. That'll be good. You know, getting um, Weston McKenney back. He, he played a few minutes in this one. That'll also be necessary. And I think a guy who generated some conversation, um, and I've always been super positive about, is Yunus Musa. I think, you know, people talk about the final product. And, I mean, that is what it is. But 
he's also center mid. He's 19 years old. And the things that he's able to provide the midfield and the team as a whole in terms of just on the half turn, the pace and the ball progression north to south um, is something that we don't really have anywhere else, at least specifically not anywhere near the middle of the park. And so I think he's an instrumental role in producing a lot of those transition looks that we're able to generate. What's your opinion on Musa? Because I've, I've always been super positive about him. Yeah, his, his ability to retain the ball and then find a way to progress, whether that be by carrying it forward, whether that be by beating the person on the dribble, it's a really, really unique skill in this group. Um, it, it's basically him and Luca Della Torre. Uh, we, we know that some of our other midfielders bring certain things. Tyler Adams is going to be able to bring you down and get the ball away from you, generally. Uh, but to have somebody to, to find that, exactly what you're talking about, that north-south verticality, so important. Um, and was really, really, really safe with the ball, too. Uh, I love seeing him be able to go ahead and just put people out of position by forcing them to make a challenge and then getting past them. It's he's great. And again, at 19 years old, go off, dude, like just that's incredible. And I'm, I'm so excited to see him grow in a way that McKenney is able to dance around problems and find his way into areas that defenses have to be like, oh, crap, this is really dangerous. He's, he will draw defenders from kind of the first look that, he, like, if you look at him and just look at his movement and look at his positioning, he is, you know, so scary because they're just not the same player. But I love the compliment in that. And I think it, it really highlighted for me, and like when I really started, you know, developing that, you know, like super, super appreciation for what he's able to do is I was at, uh, I think you were too, at the Mexico game in Cincinnati in World Cup qualifying and seeing the way that he was able to um, drag those defenders and just make problems due to his positioning and his, his half turns and stuff. It just looked so, you know, fluid and so, you know, just special. Um, Not, not a normal 19 year old by any, you uh, you know, metric or any regard, um, just seeing what he's able to do on the ball uh, is different, like I said, than any player that we have. Because, you know, we have verticality in certain areas, north to south, but often it's, you know, trying to isolate defenders. For him, it's trying to just turn past defenders and just open up the space with the dribbling. Um, it's yeah. different. Bypass. So much. Yeah. yeah. He does so much to bypass opposing midfielders. And it's it's really important to have somebody who can do that and get past folks. Yeah. And again, he's only 19 years old. So I, I think Scary. as he continues to be a complete player, as he continues to develop at Valencia, they have a new coach in now. Um, hopefully he, he might get some more time at midfield where I kind of want to see him develop there as well. Um, kind of hone his, you know, midfield chops. Cause that's where he's going to be with the uh, men's national team. Um, and, you know, not just be that ball progressor, but be able to, you know, He's really good at a lot of other stuff right now, but kind of if he's able to be as good, you know, in around the 18 as he is, you know, in the, you know, 50 yards between our defensive third and our attacking third or whatever it be like, that's, that's what we need to see more of. And I think he's going to be able to bring it. And I just, I'm so excited about the future for him in particular. I think the last player I want to touch on is Jesus Ferreira um, from this game in particular, just because like, I 
I don't think this is me being, you know, short-sighted, and I, I am a Jesus Ferreira lover, and I'll 100% admit that, you know, way more than some people. I still think that he's the guy after these two games. And again, it's not because he, he finished, he's finishing well with the national team at the current time. It's because over a larger sample size, which is how you determine finishing ability, or, you know, th- the ability to generate really good chances and finish them off for yourself, He's able to do that. He has, you know, incredible build-up play. His defensive skills are amazing. And his XG minus G, which is a, or G minus XG rather, which is a really good way over a larger sample size to determine, determine general finishing ability, you know, how often you're able to score the chances that you get, regardless of how, you know, big or small the chances. He's a generally a positive above average finisher. That's really good. And he hasn't finished with the national team, but every, you know, every normal, you know, thing and every common knowledge about, um, you know, finishing points toward the fact that it is a blip, you know, you know, mathematically speaking and analytically speaking, that it is more of a, um, I guess, more of a, you know, deviation from the norm than what the norm actually is, because for him. The norm is, I don't know, over the last year or so, you know, a three, a plus three in G minus XG. For him to be able to do that for the national team would be crazy. So for him to just start to finish one or two and just kind of get that confidence in the system is the most important thing. So keep him in, throw him in every single game and see what he's able to do is kind of my uh, thoughts around it. But I can understand why some people would have a quick trigger just because they see, Oh, no one's scoring, and he's not scoring, so let's try someone else. But I think he's able to do so much more than just, you know, what a normal nine's able to do. That I think he, he still brings positivity to the team. What do you see, Matt? I'm, I'm of, of two minds. Uh, I, you're 100% right. He, what he's doing is generating so many opportunities, and it's just of whether he beats that last person or not. Um, which, admittedly, that's striker's job. But I, 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 I still stick to the stats and say we would expect him to be putting a lot of these away. And I think that once something clicks, whether that be, you know, catching, get it one step, half step faster, whether that be just a mental block, whether that be whatever, uh, if you're generating those opportunities and being a part of that buildup, something is going to come from it. Um, I think a lot of the other things that I really, really like about Hayes Ferrer, what he does off the ball, because what Brendan Aronson is, as far as a nat, Hayes Ferrer does a lot of that stuff against those center backs uh, or those opposing center backs. Um, his, I think his off the ball run or uh, his run to go ahead and pull defenders out of shape really are what created that opportunity for Zimmerman to put the ball over the top for Pulisic. There's just so much of that stuff that necessarily goes goes unnoticed, but it's it's so important to the, how we play. Um, now, to be a little bit more bearish on Ferrer's opportunities, I think that the second that somebody else starts finishing those chances and does it reliably, we go to the hot hot hand. But right now, he's doing the best job, and and until somebody can beat him for it, we keep going with him. And, and that's exactly how I feel, too. My point with Jesus, and I know some people might call me a shill, which is fine, whatever. 
I I generally like strikers that you know are more rounded than just a finisher. Is until somebody like you said steps up to that mantle and starts scoring goals at a really high rate, then I I am a Jesus guy, and I will continue to say start Jesus. You know, strikers get chances. And they don't always finish. Like, Haji Wright had a shot versus Morocco that he could have scored, and he didn't score, which is fine. That happens. He's also a good finisher, and we saw that with club as well. So it's not about the chances that you, I guess, the chances that you don't finish. It's about the chances that you finish. But so far, if no one's finishing chances, I'm going to take the guy who can do all the other stuff really well. If yeah, we look also um, about the chances that you create, and, and right. there's a difference in that right now. Right, and... I, I can understand where somebody would be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not with that. I don't like, like I would rather just a striker um, who does the more traditional, you know, quote unquote, traditional striker things. I would just happen to disagree because I think, you know, Jesus Ferreira is able to bring more than that. If we look at his, um, here, here, let me just find it real quick. His, his G minus XG, right. For the last, uh, for this season so far, not a super large sample, but a larger sample than the national team is, Plus 2.2 last year, plus 1.3. So that means, like, generally, if he's getting, you know, chances, he's finishing them at a higher... He's not he's not missing quality chances more than he's scoring them. He's, he's, he's scoring better than you would expect him to score, which is what, you know, a lot of our strikers have been able to do. It just hasn't translated to the national team. So again, until somebody is able to actually finish chances in the way they've shown at the club level in the way that Jesus has also shown that he can finish at the club level. I mean, I'll take him because of all the other stuff. And because like also defensively he's, he's all over the place in a good way. He doesn't generally disrupt what we're trying to do with the press. And he's just, he fits in well enough in his pressing schemes, in my opinion, that it works and people, and I can understand where, like, again, why people won't, wouldn't be down with that because it's easy to say he didn't score and he had chances. I would argue they're half chances and half chances are often, you know, they, they don't often go in, but you would expect him to score more than he has up to this point, just by just probability and luck. And it hasn't happened yet. So for, again, for my sake, I hope he's able to continue it, but if he's not and Haji Wright comes in and scores five goals over the next five games, sure. Haji's our striker. Like I'm, I'm not, that I guess short sighted. I wouldn't be able to admit that. I I will say I liked what I saw from Haji in these uh, in these two matches, especially the Morocco match. I'm I'm really excited about him as a potential. Um, but I think you're right. I think Aziz Ferrer is still still has the inside track for me right now. You need more than one striker. You can't just live with one striker. Like yeah, you have, you to, have, have to be able to have rotations. If if Jesus goes down or if someone else goes down. You need somebody to be able to step up. And I'm positive generally with the striker options that we have. We have good strikers. Ricardo Pepe is still a good striker. He didn't finish really for Augsburg. Not with a ton of chances, by the way, uh, in the starting lineup. But, you know, if he's able to come back in, you know, good enough form, that's going to be good. You know, if Sargent's able to find his form in the championship, he can pop in. DK, he can pop in. We have options. We just need to see it, you know, come to fruition at the national team level. So I'm not hopping off the Jesus Ferreira train anytime soon, and you're clearly not either, Matt. And I can't wait to see him, you know, what he's able to do in the next two matches and what he's able to do back with Dallas. Because if he's able to con- you know, continue the form that he has in MLS so far this season, which is a 
plus 2.2 G minus XG and, you know, tied for the golden boot, that's also extremely positive. And that's an MVP level performance. Like, what do you say? That's an MVP level performance. If you yeah. can continue this. So, yeah. yeah. A lot to like in his game. Just needs to put a couple of chances away and nobody can say anything. And I think the one thing that I can, you know, say with Jesus is he's he's not going to be short on confidence because when you are producing, you know, week in, week out at the club level, you know, you're going to have that kind of confidence that when you come into the national team, you, you at least think you're going to be able to score. And maybe it doesn't come to fruition in the game or in the two games, but, you know, if you come in with the kind of confidence that he's going to come in with and hopefully, you know, in, when September, November rolls around, that he's going to come into those camps with as well, you know, that's going to start to be good. You know, if you have a striker who just doesn't have confidence and just isn't believing in himself, that's where you really start to have problems. But, you know, eventually they're going to go in for Jesus. And hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Um, which was also, by the way, as we transition into the Uruguay game, the second game um, uh, of the uh, two friendlies, he, he also had his finishing issues in this game. Now, maybe not so much um, as... Uh, well, he, he had some chances in the Morocco game as well. I, I think in this game, it was pretty on par with what he had in the previous game. Um, kind of a, a a cross that was slightly behind him that he maybe could have done better with and a shot in, uh, just before that that you know maybe he's able to put in in a different situation. But, you know, overall, I was fine with the way that he played. Again, it was a Jesus Ferrer national team performance. Um, I think the real winner in this one, at least for us, um, matter at least the two winners, I think, for us, were Tim Weah and Walker Zimmerman. And I don't think that their performances can really be, you know, overstated in terms of how important they are, at least in the broader picture to the national team. Yeah, I I think these are two written in pen starters. Uh, And I don't necessarily know if that's always going to be on the wing for Tim Weah. I, I'd love to see an opportunity for him at that nine position, but I think you prefer to have him on the wing because he does so much in drawing defenders out and being them one-on-one. Uh, yeah, great, great game. Walker Zimmerman has been one of the best defenders in this region for the last six months or something like that. Uh, really, really solid. He's just so positive. Yeah. Karuna, I see that you've hopped in. What are your thoughts on Walker Zimmerman? Especially, you know, we, we around in, uh, MLS bench parts love Walker. Um, and I think it is a, basically a fact now that he is a starter and an incredibly dependable player for this team. Well, uh, I'm Karun, guys. Uh, but, um, yeah, he was the one center back who wasn't a dumpster fire over the last two games, so I guess that helps him. Um, everyone else sucked, so that that's my professional opinion. All right, yeah, I. I'm yeah, not gonna... they were definitely had some more limited performances. Uh, I think Aaron Long is probably the only one who has an opportunity to get a look at that starting alongside. I, I'm still really open to see Chris Richards come through and I have stay no healthy. Idea how long is. I don't understand. He's not even been good for the Red Bull. He's not been that good for the Red Bull, so, like, why is he... Why been is all, he's been okay. I mean, they've been solid defensively. Um, but it, it, you're right, though. I think still needs some development, and, uh, yeah, and at 29... More time. 
to recover from his injury as well. Yeah. Like, let's put that out there. The guy is, you know, three Ooh. months back from an ACL injury, and that's not oh. the easiest thing to come back from. Yeah, but, like, you know, we, this is, like, a right now thing. It's like the World Cup is happening in a couple months. You can't be sure, sure. dating players based on what they were before an ACL injury after they've been based on what they're doing now. I don't. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm talking longer term than just the next six months. But obviously, Miles Robinson will come back at some point. Chris Richards will come back at some point. And so it should be a. It's an incredibly deep pool in this in, in the same way that we we're I talking feel like about. Cliff the Richards lines. like should have have. I feel like this everyone else failing has helped Cliff Richards stock here. Yeah, you're been... not going to find a disagreement for me on that one. I also think that like, just generally, when everyone comes back to health, it's going to look better than it did. Because I mean, we look in qualifying. I know some people were down on Miles Robinson. I think you might have been one of those guys towards the end as well, Karun. But I, at least for me, I. He's he compliments Zimmerman extremely well, and they didn't really let up too many goals. And for me, for for me, if you if you're not letting up goals over as large a sample size as you, as you can, which is a 14 game qualifying cycle, okay. I'm okay with that. Especially when you have you know the the complement between the pace um, of of Robinson and kind of the athleticism um, and Zimmerman's ability to win in the air. And his kind of the drop and cover. Um, I mean, the, Zimmerman is really good as well. The I don't know if he compliments him that well because I mean the typical thing you see with teams is you have a ball playing center back and then you have the athletic, you know, covering person. I don't think Miles would qualify as a ball playing center back. I also. I don't put that much because thing is, just like, who are you playing in qualifiers? Like, most of these players are. Let's be honest here; they're like MLS or sub MLS players. And then you go to the World Cup, where the teams, a lot of the players are like, you know, they're the players who play at the top five leagues. I just I don't. Also, this is the thing where, like, you you know, I'm not that comfortable with like separating defense and offense because often. Teams will sacrifice things tactically. So teams that are like defending well are sacrificing things offensively to get that defensive performance. If you like, I would always start with like the overall team performance, as opposed to just starting with what what was the goals conceded when a player was playing, even if they play at the center back or whatever. Okay. I think that's fair. I think what I would say, generally, um, and we're talking about Zimmerman, I'll kind of focus back in on Zimmerman, is what we've seen, or like, and Matt, you can kind of, I'm sure you've seen this too, um, you know, you're on Twitter as well, and you've seen, you know, so, there, are, there are some people who were doubting Zimmerman heading into this window and heading into the tougher European competition, because yeah, MLS level is not a big five league level. But I think when you see the way that Zimmerman played in these last two games was positive, was yeah. def- was above you know replacement level for sure, and above what I would say the average level would be. I'm okay with that. I think yeah. Walker Zimmerman showed that he can handle the the test that you need to be able to pass. Like yeah, I'm fine with Zimmerman. Just yeah, I'm fine with him starting. I think 
Yeah, I, I don't. But I don't want. Haven't... I don't want like I want. I want a Brooks or Cliff Richards next to him if he's starting. If that makes sense, I don't want it to be Zimmerman who like you know does defense, mobile, athletic, whatever. And then you have a second defender who does the same thing, and then you can't distribute out of pressure, which we've seen qualifying at certain points has hurt our team, specifically against Jamaica, against Panama. Not that Cliff Richards is a bad defender. I mean, he's statistically... He just has a little bit more skill on the ball. Yeah, he's statistically a very good defender in the Bundesliga. Like, all the off-ball shit, he does pretty well in. So, like... I. I don't think he's a bad defender. But. No, I'm 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 very pro Richards as well. Zimmerman Richards is, would be my pairing now, and it was coming into this uh, window as well. Um, we kind of touched on the center back, Matt, and uh, you're able to um, you you can pick up anything you want, uh, and you know pick up any loose ends on this conversation if you want. But also like transitioning um, kind of back into Tim Weya and the dangers that he's able to pose, like specifically to his play style. I think, like we're talking about Musa kind of being almost a unicorn, at least on this team, in ways like he can uh, do things that no one else can do. I think Weya can also do things that no one else, or at least no one else has shown that they well, can do. What Weya does is he, like, his off-ball movement, he just makes those runs constantly, and he can hit the ball well. And, 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 and you know, that gives you a direct, simple way to cause damage against yep. national teams. He gets into really, really good positions yeah. very regularly. Thing and is, finds yeah. himself, and he's always going to be goal dangerous because he can just absolutely smack the heck out of a ball. Yeah. Um, I've, I'm not as high on Musa as I feel like um, many people are, just in terms of like what he offers right now. We we just wax poetic about Musa, so I'm interested. I mean, we can maybe touch. I, I let's open this back up for max five minutes. What do you have on Musa? Okay, so so let me just pull up some. So I think as an assumption among the fan base that Musa is a good defender. Um, I don't really buy that. Uh, I think this game specifically. Brendan Allenson was basically playing, like, a second six. Like, he was being forced to go all the way back. And he did it pretty well, but, like, the reason that was happening is once Uruguay subbed in the A-team midfielders, and this is some key context in the game, they started out with a Canada-level midfield, roughly. They had, like, a dude from who plays for Sporting. They had a Liga Mex All-Star, and they had um, an all-XI caliber, whatever. And they had a dude from Dynamos and whatever. Um, then they subbed in the A team, which has, like, well, Wurde, who just won the Champions League, like, you know. And when that happened, what happened, Musa's, like, defense was just, he was just not in position. And when he wasn't in position, what happened is the midfield just completely overman us. And so Adamson and Adam Fudesi just making play after play after play in, to, like, avoid us, like, just conceding chances. Um... When you look at his club stats, so if you go to FBF, you might see, if you just look at the superficial, but you say, oh, look, he gets lots of tackles and interceptions and whatever. But then you look into the things and we like look into efficiency stuff. Okay, he has a lot of pressures, like 76% of pressures. He's in the ninth percentile for successful pressures. Um, makes a lot of tackles. He, 
he is in like the 26th percentile for winning those tackles. Um, and what that tells me is the reason, and what that like suggests to me is that the reason he's getting all these volume plays is because he's getting beat positionally and he has to like make emergency runs. And I think I've seen since, even in like the away with Mexico, he had a pretty bad giveaway that for like the most dangerous moment. I think he's been pretty shaky defensively like since the last window throughout, and I just don't think he's that good of a defender. Which to me is a pretty big flag when you are when you consider how we play, where we're like we have a high we run a high press, we press you at the ball, we're solid, you know. Um by comparison, Brendan Allenson, so the um, versus Morocco, he was like he was an offense, I think using the half spaces plus minus whatever. He basically doubled everyone almost entirely on offense. Like just like beating, just like you know, making plays, running into space, progressing, getting a goal, all that stuff. This game, what I found, which I didn't expect, was like he was playing like his second six. I feel, and he was doing it really well. Like he was making a bunch of high quality defensive plays, and on some of those, and a lot of those plays, he would then like get the ball and he would beat a man and we would be going. So, and I went and looked at his, like, club stuff. He has a low volume, so this is just based on eight Champions League games. So, sample size, but he is 99th percentile for successful pressure percentage and in 97th percentile for pressures. His volume is, some, is, like, lower on, like, tackles and up, but he usually wins the ball. Um, and so he covered more ground than anyone else in the Champions League. You, mind you, you get the profile of a player who's like, who's legitimately good at defense. And I was wondering if that was just, there was, was some team context. But now that I saw him basically playing like a six against Uruguay, I'm starting to think, oh, he might just be a great defensive player. Which, if you pair good, great defense with being a good passer, being able to get open to finish things, and you have good ball progression, I mean, that to me just seems more valuable than um, Musa being able to, like, you know, than Musa, who's, like, isn't really... I don't know if he's that solid defensively. I don't think he's a good passer yet at this level. And, um, you know, he, he definitely is pretty... He's, like, you know, he takes the ball, and he's athletic and strong, and he can... Caliot, but like I've seen multiple players doing that. Like Luca's been doing it. Reyna, I feel like just did it better when he versus in the last window. And um Allenson can do it. I think we have a lot of players who can carry the ball and I feel like it's more valuable to like just put in players who are like more you know, who can pass and who can defend. Better. Yeah. That makes so- sense. My question. I think you're you're essentially saying you want a well-rounded player who is able to do all this stuff at a you know high enough clip that it, it's passable on a European stage. What I would yeah. say is I'm okay with that him not necessarily performing for the club in all those ways that you say that he's good, like he's not a good defender. Yada yada yada. It's okay for me because in the way that he specifically plays with the national team, 
he at he is not being asked to do those kinds of things. And you know, I was like, okay, what's it going to be like when he plays? You know, World Cup level opponents. He's still not being asked to do those things, and we're still finding ways to basically supplement. His job isn't to be Tyler Adams. That's why we have Tyler Adams. His job is to ball progress, do those kind of um, like transitional things that Gray wants him to do that really only he can do. And I'm okay with that because still as still a 19-year-old, the stuff that he's able to do on the ball specifically, we have passers. If we need somebody to break down a press, he's not our guy. But also like, or break down a low block, I'm sorry. But also, like, when are we going to have to break down a low block if we're playing England? That might not happen quite well, as often. we're going to be playing Yvonne in Wales. And those are the games you need to get at least four points off. So you're going to need to beat one of those teams. I understand that. I just think that if we have a team like Morocco or like Uruguay who we end up playing, or any, and I know that we have those opponents already set out, who are even going to try and half play their own style, Moose is the kind of player who's going to beat you at your game because he's simply more athletic than you. Okay, so I think some context with Uruguay. They started with the B team. Then they subbed in the A team. And to me, Musa became substantially less effective at ball progression once they subbed in the A team. In a right. way, I'm, I'm basically okay to wrap up this discussion now. I, I, and I understand sure. your point. Well, the only thing I would say is like that could also potentially be because He's now, what, uh, 60 minutes into a game that he already played, what, like 90 or almost 90 no, uh, in the midweek as well? That's fine. Like, par- partially could just be tiredness. But anyway, I'm glad that you were able to share that because that's a different opinion than what we brought to the table. Matt, I think um, I'm going to open the floor to you now. What, what kind of things did you see in this game, at least from a tactical perspective because we kind of did that versus Morocco and then we kind of just dived right in the players and carried that over. What do you see broader in this game that you liked? And I mean, even some stuff that you might not have liked uh, moving forward. And this is for the Uruguay match. Yes. For the second match, the Uruguay match. Uh, so for the Uruguay match, we were getting in that initial, probably like 10 minutes, we were getting pressed pretty high. Uh, we were unable to, chain more than two or three passes together and um we really were getting pushed back pretty far for the first 15 minutes or so uh to close out that first half though we started to be able to try and not necessarily play through we were doing a little bit more of sit back dump the ball forward and then try and turn uh try and turn the ball over in the opposing um in the opposing third uh and then yeah, looking then forward, uh, that was where I was really, really happy to see uh, McKinney was able to go ahead and grow into that, uh, into the later part of that first half. Uh, I think that his ability to go ahead and knock the ball off was a little bit nicer. Um, Pulisic was dropping a little bit deeper so that we were able to play with him. There's just a little bit more connection. Um, the second half, we're, we're seeing everything that, I apologize, uh, Corinne? Yeah. Uh, what Karim was talking about with we were really, really struggling to go ahead and keep up to the the quality of the ball and, and just the speed of the play. Um, so definitely more of a struggle there, uh, but we held on. Uh, it was a lot of last-ditch uh, defending. 
And uh, this is where I was really concerned. This is where we were finding the ball being played in behind the attacking fullback, and it was chewing us up pretty badly. We were getting a lot of opportunities where Uruguay was running at either Tyler Adams and maybe a supporting center back or just the center back, and it was concerning. Um, so finding a way to deal with that is going to be pretty important. I'm thinking this is specifically for the England match where these yeah. players can all carry the ball, pass the ball well. Yeah, no doubt. Um, when you play these higher level opponents, especially what we're talking about on tire legs and you're playing Champions League winners and such, like that's that's tough. And, you know, I'm not going to say that that was our best 30 minutes ever. It certainly was not. Um, we weren't really able to generate a ton of attacking output. And that's what's slightly more concerning because, like, obviously, when you have, you know, Fetty Valverde and Matias Fresino and, you know, all you, you got all those guys clicking, it's going to be hard to not give up good enough looks that, like, Cavani should score at the end. He should. But attacking-wise, I would have still like to see it slightly more being produced just because, like, I mean, you, you've got to start to be able to transition defense into attack at some stage. And maybe it was tired legs and stuff, but we weren't really able to do that. Now, also, McKenney came out. We had the weird substitution incident. And so there were other, there was other you know, sub- factors as well. I'm not going to say that you know, it was any one person's fault or anything, but it just it never really came together in a way that I would have liked to, it, liked to see it come together. So that was the only thing like that was the negative for me is really when they subbed on their their pieces we weren't really able to generate anything attacking wise you know regardless of the fact that we had some possession you know coming out of the back we it kind of it kind of regressed into you know what we saw at times uh, in qualifying which is we would have some possession coming out of the back but when we got the ball we uh, in the attacking third we never were really you know looking towards the goal we were never really goal dangerous which is like we were talking about Matt. What I love seeing um, in that you know second part of the first half, really the last half an hour um, of the first period, where McKenny really served as that guy kind of at the point, it was kind of facilitating play in and around the 18. There, uh, there was a time where he just basically turned and had a look. That's what I want to see more of, where essentially we turn those, um, we turn possession and we turn having the ball in good areas into being goal dangerous, into kind of looking and our focus at like the point of having that possession being towards going at goal and finding those opportunities uh, to attack versus just having the possession and kind of, you know, just passing with our heads chopped off. Did we get the ball into dangerous areas in the second half? I mean, like generally speaking, will we, because I felt like most, felt like for the most part, we had the ball in our half. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was, that was the issue. We had the ball. And we were also we were often able to get to the midfield or get to the outside backs, but it just kind of never really clicked. Well, this is where um, so when you're playing England, specifically with England, what we are ideally what would happen is we have great pressing, we just have effect and a strong solidified press, and then we just and they come and they play into our they you know they try to pass. Or do whatever, and we just take the ball from them, and we create a bunch of danger and transition. That's basically the that's basically what happened against Mexico. So ideally, what you do is like, is we have a bunch of great pressers and great you know players who are great at defending and taking the ball away. 
those areas and who play on teams which like to use the press to create danger and stuff. But I felt like our press was just not, was pretty disjointed. Yeah, there that, there wasn't a great organization of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me the issue in the second half was you know, finding, because, you know, often in World Cup qualifiers, we were playing teams that were, you know, in a low block, and it was kind of, it offered a somewhat kind of an excuse. It's like, we just really were struggling to, you know, find the final ball to break that down. And that became our pet peeve at times. We often won those games because we had a moment here or there that we were just able to finish off. Uh, I'm reminded of, you know, Jedi against El Salvador. Um, but I think... In, in this one, the thing that was slightly concerning, I mean, and it's going to happen versus better teams, is we're not going to be able to find much, and they're not even in a low block. They're still in a formation that they can continue to generate good looks even when we're not. And I think that can be, you know, sort of, sort of addressed, you know, moving forward when we just, you know, have everybody there, right? Rain is still hurt. Des is still I hurt. Mean, they're important pieces. And if we have Des attacking on the right, that yeah. provides a threat. If we have Reina, you know, working creatively, because he's a creator, and we have him working creatively yeah. um, in those half spaces, in and around the box, that's when really we start to create. And so that's something that I was worried about heading into this is like we're missing out on like creators and people that we can really look to. Then theoretically is that. Yeah, he was, and by the way, he's also looked good in this camp as well. So that's, you know, a positive, but without Reyna, without death, I was kind of interested to see how's it going to go. And I think we started to see some of those shortcomings in the last 30 against Uruguay. So there's two, I feel like skill deficiencies the team had. It was one, the plus, it was like, we were not buffing very well once they subbed on the, the second thing was the final ball, the, you know, the right. play making the killer pass, whatever. That Those two things I feel were missing. Because I feel like we did go up from, we were able to get some joy from the flanks, but thankfully it was like, it was a way, we just, when players were making runs, the pass was just not there. Like, you, we would even, the pass was not there when we were like in transition, and then... We had Adams and Allenson pegged back because Uruguay just kept playing with us. Yeah. But if I can add one more skill to that, yeah. and I think back to the the Nation League and um, Gold Cup Finals, let's get a good set-piece delivery. Come on. Like, if if we're talking about an instance where we're not going to be able to have a great run through normal play... Take advantage of your corners. Take advantage of your dead balls. Find the so, way that way. So they know we really struggled on that on the night. So who are the set piece takers? We feel might improve that. They know. Uh, it, unfortunately, it really needs to be probably Christian Pulisic. Uh, but his just his delivery was bad on the day. Why? Uh, why not? They know. Reyna would be able to do it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we know that Kellen Acosta can serve in a ball in. We know that Buzio can serve a ball in. But if we're talking about players who right now are, you know, in that first 18 names, it's, it's, yeah, Reyna, Pulisic, and then Acosta towards the bottom of that. Yeah, I I think the problem is like, and every once in a while when it does come in, you know, 
the runs weren't always there. I think there was the one time I was like, oh yeah, really, really dangerous is um, Pulisic's free kick. I think at the beginning of the start of the second, or like the yeah, the beginning of the second half. I think it was when he like swings it in dangerous area. No one's there. That was it. And Zimmerman, I Zimmerman had a pretty good chance. Zimmerman had a shot, but that that ball was bending away, so he had to generate all the power with the you know the yeah. force of the ball basically going against him. So I I had no expectations. That's like a that's a, like a zero point zero two probably xg. Oh, that's just that's another instance where I'm just like we have a lot of threats in that space. In you know in looking at the second half, we didn't have McKinney on, who's incredible in the air and does so much for us on those set pieces, but. We have opportunities there, and I, I just wish that we'd done a little bit more with that. We so did. Hopefully, we yeah. also did sub in Aliola, and um, who did yeah. we sub no. in? Aliola, Haji. We sub in Ariola, uh, Luca. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, I would, I would probably take my chances with Tim over Ariola on a set piece just because of the height difference. But like, I, I also like think that Ariola. And again, this is something that I get burned. You're probably going to burn me too uh, for saying it. Is like Ariel is a different kind of player than anything that we have, and so at least having him, I would like to see him perform with this national team, not as a starter or anything, but as you know, a role player that can potentially just come on in like scrappy minutes because he's kind of a scrappy player. I mean, I'd have to look at the statistics, but I think he'd be really good in a, a, a pressing team like we're trying to develop. I mean. I don't know if he's a different... I feel like Ben and Allenson does, basically, the stuff Ariola does, personally speaking. Um, I was pushing for an uh, ariola Aronson winger pairing. I, when was it? I think versus Panama in March. I don't know why. I think I was just like... I mean, what does camp I was having me, fun with it. This camp has made me want Allenson starting centrally. It's just like, I saw one performance where he was dominant on offense. I saw another performance where he was excellent defensive. I was like... Well, okay, if you can do the defense, and you can do the offense, just 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 play him in the middle, though. I don't. If you I, do both, I, that. I I still like MMA because I think that they complement each other well. I like I like Aronson by the way in the midfield as well. Like, don't get me wrong, and he would be great as a if we need to either rotate, um, and we want to bring on like a winger. Say we say we're playing Pulisic, Reina's wingers in MMA. Say we want to. You know, bring off McKenney. I would be fine sticking Aronson in for McKenney. Or say we Aronson's starting, we want to bring on Wea. Put Wea's winger, drop Aronson in the middle, bring off Musa. You know, for example. So I think having that flexibility is good. But again, I still like MMA and what they're able to produce and how they're able to complement the, one another. The issue with MMA I, is this, though. McKenney is not a great passer. He's honestly relative to like a below average passer. Musa's not a good passer. And so what's going to and so what happens is, you know, if defenses know that the players in front of us can't punish them via passing, then the, that then they can just seed space and drop back or whatever. Like it's good to have like if we're talking about fit theoretically, if you have players who can if you have a McKenney who is what McKenney does better than anyone else's he gets open like he he moves he gets to dangerous areas and he also is a very good defensive whatever if you have Allison who can pass who can progress to an extent and who can defend if you have Lena who can pass 
better than anyone else in our pool. If you have Wea who can make off ball runs, um, ass and he can hit a quality ball, and if you have Pulisic who can who who will take who forces defensive attention with how good he is on the ball and can run and hit open, that to me is a team which where the players are calling each other's weaknesses because like if they know if we put Dane on the wing and I don't know. Let's say we put Pulisic at the nine, and we put Dane on the wing, and then Dana wants to come in. Okay, that's cool. Ben Nathan can just slot in like that, where he's been pretty good over qualifying. If um, Pulisic, and what what's happening, I feel like, was where on Pulisic were getting like they went, they got caught up, and though then Uruguay were like hitting us in the space they left behind. I feel like this also happened with Aliola. I feel like this happened with everyone who was like a wing. Um, but if you put like you have, like, Lena, who is a good defender. If you have these players who can do all these things, then it's not as easy to scheme or exploit what's happening, basically. I mean... Yeah. I I think for me... the I And I get what like, you're saying. like You just generally see the game different than I do in, in terms of you see as, like, a general what they do as players individually... I just try and see it more as like a, what they do as a collective. And I understand your passing points. That's potentially dangerous versus teams that are not going to uh, step out and try and press. But for me, I just, I find more value in this is the world cup. These teams are good enough to not, you know, base their game plan. Like I was saying earlier about, you know, it's different when you're playing a team that, you know, their game plan is to disrupt your game plan and they're fully dependent off what you're doing when other teams have independence, that's when the U.S. has looked the best. Like, when when a team tries, like Morocco, to try and do their little pressing thing or whatever, we're able to break that down. That's when we are, like, for me, what, that's when we play the most complete soccer. Because when a team's not trying to sit back in the low block versus us, and they try and actually get out and play, like Mexico did in November, that's when we're at our best. And... For me, that's why I like MMA is because when we're at our best and because the other teams aren't playing us in that specific way, that's when they're able to flourish the most. But I understand your point. Don't get me wrong. Um, as we head into these final two games, the Nations League games yeah. versus uh, Granada and El Salvador, what are we looking at? What do we want to see um, I don't, I mean, in I terms of player rotation, new looks, all of that? It just, what do you say? I, I don't know if these teams are good enough for me. What I would like, it just, I feel like against these two teams, what I would be looking for is red flags as opposed to green flags, if that makes sense. Because that, like, that level, if you're, if you're struggling in some way against them, I'm concerned. I think that's fair. Um, I, I think. I, I still want to see a little bit of the the relationships being shown. So it, I want to see us to actually really, really pass well in these matches. I really want to see a center back pairing that knows when to go, when to stay. Um, I really want to see, uh, you know, some competence from people that we're hoping are going to be that, that second or third choice player. Um, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we see Anthony Robinson get a rest like they, he has run his 
net like head off like you know i mean i there's, don't think there, i don't think there's a ton that we need to learn from these matches i think that we just need to be able to continue playing and we need to play at a high level yeah um i think cohesion is probably the best thing we can build just familiarity with different looks different lineups whatever um maybe that'll translate yeah i think for me this is a big seize the initiative for guys who really want to start to make the plane, make the 23 slash 26 for the world cup. It, this is, it's, it's, this is the time, right? You like, have to do good you, against these teams. You, you have to do if well. Aliola, if, if like Aliola, Scaly, Scaly, or whoever, you play these teams, you better look good against these teams. And if you don't look good against these teams, then we got to ask, should you really be on the roster? And I think Burhalter showed who, like, the rotation, what he wants the rotation to be without Rain and without Dest, albeit. And it's pretty short. It's, you know, three center backs without Chris Richards right now. Um, it's uh, basically, I mean, obviously, the Stefan, I don't know who would start a keeper, right? We, we know who we, you know, we love Turner, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Jedi, the midfield with Aronson potentially sliding in there as well. Um and up top, Wea, Pulisic, Ferreira, see. right? Like yeah. it, it, it's like fifteen guys right now. I do wonder if we're gonna see the um if we're gonna see one of as been I'm wondering if we're gonna try out like a non nine playing at nine because I don't know. I've just over the last few games I've not maybe. been blown away by the striker play and it's in point like okay maybe there's some positional whatever but would it really be so bad to just play one of our champions league mids in that position and see what the fuck happens like i don't know Poliskis played as a nine he's done it you know i'd, I'd still i still want to see how you right have an opportunity and go full 90 and see what he can do um but i i see how you mean like i you know what can we do with gosh aaronson in that role what can we do with you know a lot of a lot of these opportunities? Chelsea beat Juventus like four by four goals with Pulisic showing at the nine. I'm not saying we're going to beat the national team equivalent of Juventus by four goals, but I feel like I feel like it's not as wild. It's not so crazy that you shouldn't give it a look because like the talent. If if we go to we want to have as much talent on the field as possible. Like that is that's that's one of the ways you immediately improve that because you the place are not very good nines with quality winger or whatever. Yeah, I again I want to see a nine succeed in that role just because I think like the only thing that we don't have right now is like a true like a nine threat. I'm okay with Ferreira if we're not going to ha- if we are okay not playing with that nine threat like we already talked about. If yeah. we want that guy who's going to be tall in the box and like try and like boss two center backs, you would hope the right is going to be that guy or We also saw him come back and combine a little bit too. Right, so yeah, I, that's no, why I'm really excited. Right. I I think he needs a a bigger run out. And I mean, we also don't have that many strikers in the camp. We really have like two. And so it, he's going to get time. Ferreira's going to get time over these next two games. Um, just like aesthetically, just to you know, kind of touch up on the next two games. I am excited to, for us to go back to the Cusca Clan. That was crazy the first time around. Yeah. Um, I want to see what you know what what pops off this time around. 
um, maybe fireworks or things of that kind of ilk. Um, I also uh, am just generally excited to see, you know, like Malik Tillman or Malik, I think Tillman get, you know, a chance um, to see, you know, Kellen Acosta maybe slide back in as at six and just see kind of how he fares maybe on the road. Again, it's it, that's a more concacaf opponent, but, you know, I, I do like Kellen and I think, you know, right now he is that backup six. Yeah. Um, excited to see how, you know, like you said, continue those center back pairings. And like I was saying, this is a seizure moment kind of thing because Burhalter's basically rotated 15 guys so far, give or take, uh, through the first two games. And that, those really, you know, maybe subbing out Des for the right back um, and maybe adding Reyna in. You know, really 15 to 16 guys that he feels comfortable with right now in the rotation that are going to be on the plane. That's, you know, that leaves, what, the seven to ten other spots um, that could be filled. Probably those guys are on this roster right now, but I how many are going to, you know, really be... I think so. I, I, mean, I think it just, definitely so. There was a lot of injuries that ah. contributed to this, and I don't think the depth pieces have actually played that well. I'm not. I'm not saying who I think should be. Even though I think a lot of these guys, the guys who you know haven't stepped up, are going to be on the plane and probably should be because we don't really have anyone else. Who do we have? We're we're, we're talking Pepe. We're talking maybe one more nine. Um, we're talking Acosta is going to be on. I'm I'm just going to say like straight up what I think who I think is going to be on the plane because oh. what we know of Greg, Acosta's on the plane. Ariola's on the plane. Rodon's on the plane. Um, who else? Do we know Rodon's on the plane? Rod- Rodon's on the plane. I mean, um, he doesn't give me yeah, that much I, minutes, so I, I'm. I would probably, if it's a 26 person roster. I'm wagering a lot of money if it's 26. They rolled on in the okay. lane. A lot of money. Um, but I mean, again, that, 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 it just goes to show that this is the time for those guys to get their playing time, yeah. and because September it's going to be looking like maybe Saudi Arabia and Japan in Europe, and those provide different tests. But you know, the real the real test was Uruguay. You know, Morocco, another really good test. Those are kind of gone now. B team is a better test than Japan. I I I think I think Uruguay's. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call it a B team because they still had Darwin Nunes, who's a what eighty million player. I think, Uh, you know, leading scorer in uh, the Portuguese league and tearing it up also in Champions League as well. I'll take that uh, as a good test for our center backs. I'll take you know a full strength back line as a good test. Sure. Um, I'm not saying it was their full roster, but it's it was close enough for me to you know feel happy about you know kind of those matchups midfield, that we saw. They played a weak midfield though. They, they played a weak midfield, which is fine. I don't care. Like those guys need rest, right? Valverde just played a Champions League final, yeah. right? Facino just played a full season with Inter, in which they took they won both cup competitions and you know, ran it out to the last day of the season. Those guys needed a break. And for me, that's fine. I'm I'm not saying it was the full strength, but I'm happy enough with what those tests gave us. Sure. I think they were positive um, in many ways. I think heading into the um, these next two games, it's a different thing. Um, but it's also something that I'm really excited for. I and I think that... Against, I'm, I'm particularly interested in Japan. Um, they play similar to Uruguay and Iran and uh, Wales. And they're good. They're going to be fun tests. They're going. To, they're going to be fun tests. Um, and yeah, I think what what the nation what the Nations League brings is different with what these friendlies bring. But the Nations League is also a good opportunity to kind of look to run back what we were able to do last year. And if we're and again, 
it's it's a different look now. We're looking at the World Cup, and this is still looking at the World Cup, don't get me wrong, but it's also, you know, ensuring another important part of international soccer, which is dominance within your confederation, sure. and making sure that we can consistently, you know, be, put ourselves in a position to be the best in North America, to continue to go to these World Cups, and mm. obviously as the World Cup expands, it should be easier, but, you know, put ourselves in a position to dominate in the confederation, and that starts... Again, another uh, Nations League cycle um, in just, uh, what, three days against Granada in Austin. And also, so thank you guys for coming on and joining me. Um, I hope we can do more of these in the future. Uh, Kar- uh, Karun and Matt, uh, much appreciated. We should be back with a normal episode of MLS Benched yeah. next week because, you know, MLS really uh, kicks off again uh, this weekend. So that's going to be as exciting as ever. Um, but yeah, excited to see how these national team guys do um, in the next week or so. As we, you know, the World Cup is getting closer. November 21st against Wales looms large, and I hope that uh, our boys are up to the test. But, you know, for right now, it's a win over Morocco and a draw against Uruguay. And for me, I'm pretty happy with what they were able to do. So that's all for today. Uh, until next week, uh, enjoy life, enjoy the beautiful game, and we will see you then.